Education in the New World Order. Everybody agrees there's something wrong with the educational system that we have today. I mean, even mainstream official educationists are worried about it. Um, there's something about it which doesn't seem to be working. Um, and obviously, in the New World Order, there'll be an educational system of some kind. Every society or civilization has one. So one has to think, what kind do we actually want? And we know that the present kind needs replacing in some way. So what kind do we actually want? And what, if we take a walk through it, what would it look like, the educational system in the New World Order? Well, I think that the first thing about it would be that um, education would recognize that it is, in fact, a form of initiation, that it's, a, its entire archetypal role is that of an initiation process. The education, in fact, the present educational system mimics the initiatory process, indeed is a kind of initiatory process, where you go through the different exams. Like every initiatory, you have a training, you pass through a time of testing or trial and some fail, others pass, and the pass ones are the initiates. And so at every level you have 11-year-old sort of 15-year high school graduations, college exams, Bachelor of Arts, Master of Arts, Doctor of Philosophy, and these higher and higher degrees and qualifications, each of which involves its test of initiation, each of which, once initiated into that hierarchy in the academic uh, grade within the academic hierarchy people have a kind of official certification of higher and higher levels of education recognized throughout our whole modern society which pays great respect to things like academic qualifications you'll better job you'll get better jobs better employment opportunities more respect and that's of course why everyone wants these degrees and why to the despair of educators throughout the world most college students passing through the universities seem to have so little real interest in the subjects they're studying. They want to, in, in the third world, it's very clear. They just want the degree because of a BA or an MA, your entire social status has changed in India. And um, your marriage prospects, the size of diary you can command, and so on. It's a quantifi quantifiable sliding scale of status. <coughs> anyway, this is the present educational system we have, and the present educational system is based on initiatory, um, an initiatory model. And in fact, I think it is an initiation into a, a model. It's an initiation into what one could think of as the rationalist or humanist worldview or mind set, frame of mind, way of thinking. And so one of the things that it does all along is to mean that the mind or the intellect is the predominant godlike point of view from which everything is seen. So when you teach school children literature within this framework of this system that we've got now, this mechanistic, humanist, rationalist model. You don't just read them the great poems by sort of beating a drum and bringing the magic of the poem and, and going into the myth. You say, this poem was written in 1635 by so-and-so, who was born in so-and-so, and you then learn all these facts about the poets, which you have dates of when they were born and died and that kind of thing, which you have to be able to know for exams. And then certain stock ways of analyzing Shakespeare's plays, for example, for school exams, where such and such a character does this role, and here Shakespeare was borrowing from this tradition and putting this, and taking the whole thing to pieces by this kind of detached analytical mind. The same in the fine arts, as soon as this 
and gets onto the arts, you've got the same thing. You know, this was painted by so-and-so in the school of so-and-so, bought by so-and-so, in such and such a collection, and so on. Um, so I think that these all these ways of distancing and the, the self and in, in bringing the rational academic trained mind as being the supreme point of view is the initiation into which this educational system works. It makes that the supreme arbiter, a kind of human reason. Um, and so it's this kind of rationalistic humanism. So it is an initiation right now. The present educational system is an initiatory system one has to recognize that and each of its levels like commencement graduation day from high school and so on are attended by impressive public ceremonies which uh, in the classic tradition of public initiation and recognition to a higher grade or status like a medieval guild or craft makes the one of the few realms in which that kind of world lives on with these hierarchical gradations um, with robes and, 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 and all the apparatus of, in the realm of science of a scientific priesthood in fact uh, and indeed it is the scientific priesthood envisaged by Bacon in the scientific world, the academic model and uh, the priestly role of the, the higher initiates in running and ordering society, the more educated. So the, we do have that kind of system, but in order to replace it, um, we obviously have to have not only just tinkering with the present system, which is entirely dedicated to that view of the world, and when it extends its baleful influence over the third world countries, as I've seen it do in Indian villages, as soon as the school comes in and the secondary school, these kids go through that, they become alienated from tradition. They want to wear pants instead of dotis. They want to work in cities instead of stay in the village. They want to... Um, have an office job sort of with a kind you know sitting behind a desk and being a kind of bureaucrat rather than getting their hands dirty all these classical archetypes of kind of Indian bourgeois aspiration um, take over and they, they're alienated from the village culture in which they were educated most of them get drop off and go to the cities and, and the villages sort of they sort of distill off fortunately for village life <laughs> Um, but this, you can see this whole new frame of mind being introduced in the entire third world through the UNESCO and through educational things the first step is literacy you've got to have them reading and writing because then you can get across that what's in books is more important than what you actually feel or experience because books, the world of books, huge libraries and stuff, scientific journals, is vastly larger than anything any one of us could ever read, comprehend or experience. So there's this overwhelming weight of fact which one can't but be in awe of and respect. And as soon as one of the more ones initiated into that world and the priesthood of the world of books and of the written word, um, then the more one's mind is bound up in that whole realm and, and the more one's beings assimilated to it and the less the realm of ordinary experience counts for anything. In fact, it still counts, but it counts behind the diaphragm that separates from the educated public persona, from the private domestic or romantic solitude or hiking in the wilderness weekend persona or holiday in Bali persona. These other wilder, freer aspects of the personality are relegated to free time, not in the educated part. So, the alternative educational model um, would still be based on initiations, but it would be based on going with the grain of initiation, which is throughout the world what 
most people want to be initiated into a lot of things and they realize that being initiated into them means taking on a new social role, a new social pattern and usually these roles are in some sense sacralized, you know, guilds of craftsmen etc with their patron saints and um, and Indian castes, each with their own traditions, you know, the potter caste, the weaver caste, and so on, with traditions and skills which are passed on. With them. And the children with them want to be initiated into being a potter or a weaver, if you're on that. There's a respect and accord given to the initiates, which the young aspire to. And you get exactly the same thing in our own society with driving. I mean, nobody, adult, most adult people don't want to be the kind of people who either can't drive or haven't qualified for a driving license. And, they have to go through a learning period and they have to be pass the test and once they've passed it they join the club of qualified drivers most kids actually want to be initiated into that there's a real power, a kind of um, magnetic pull about being along there's a glamour to, to it which they want and a whole new freedom and a, a true initiation takes place and these are very deep and uh, people want to be initiated into swimming, into sex into drugs of various kinds, into games, into skills and professions. These are basic desires for initiation. So the uh, model of education would be this initiation-based education, of which the present educational system has many of the elements, but in a kind of parody version, because these tests only operate in the written mode, they only operate in the language mode. All examinations are not sitting at a desk with a pen and writing, but they entirely work through this written mode and their uh, initiations into the written world as it were um, so there are other kinds of initiations and if you think about it um, a lot of the present educational system could be transformed by recognizing its initiatory quality like medical students to become doctors have to dissect a complete human corpse this is an absolute requirement and Every medical student, when they first come into the dissecting room, undergoes an instinctive, deep-down revulsion from this room full of partially dismembered corpses, something against which all societies have had taboos, you know, on the respect for the corpse and that sort of thing, the power of a corpse. And to overcome all these traditional taboos, they have to adopt a highly detached and usually jocular attitude with dissecting rooms full of people playing hockey with, as they did in the Cambridge ones, with severed legs using testicles as the hockey balls, this kind of thing. It's typical medical student hijinks in the dissecting room where this kind of jocularity is forced as a response. Say instead of that, to become a doctor you have to dissect a dead human body. And to do that you have to have a meditation on death first. You, you, you maybe have to, like in a Tibetan meditation, spend a night in a graveyard. And, um, you know, really confront what one's doing, that the initiatory quality of being in it confronting death in some kind of way. This is a solemn moment. Um, and in most other trades, professions, skills, etc., there would be this initiatory way of doing it, which exists to some extent in um, voluntary organizations and clubs and hobbyists of every kind, you know, who want to have their people pursue things because they're really interested. There'd also be adolescent initiation rites somewhere in this. Along, we mentioned that at Hollyhock, Jill and I were talking about uh, vision camps, summer camps, where kids go and where there's a truly initiatory program there, involving 
a vision quest, for example, at least 24 hours away alone in the wilderness. These camps already exist in northern Vancouver Island in the summer, mostly for Indian youths. And so there'd be this initiatory quality introduced throughout the educational system. And computer modeling, for example, would be a very important part of the initiatory thing into mathematics, which would be an initiation into the mathematical landscape which is the hidden mystery of mathematics into which most students of it never get an inkling. They don't even know it's there because mathematicians don't talk about it. They pretend that it's this rational system of numbers and symbols. But actually, the really good ones have these vivid visual imaginations, which is where it all happens, where the magic goes on. Well, now, one of your great points is this can now be rendered visible through computer models. You can in enter into it as you yeah. can through fractal programs and that kind of thing and actually explore the mathematical landscape in the privacy of your home from a moderately priced diskette available from aerial press. <laughs> 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 and um, so this obviously is part of it too. So, and also within each branch of learning, um, there would be through ceremony, you'd learn about how to mend cars, you'd learn from plumbers about the elements of plumbing, you'd learn useful things in schools by, and be initiated by members of recognized trades or professions like a plumber would teach you plumbing, a real plumber who's really part of the kind of plumbers union, you know, the really initiated plumber world and so you'd see that you'd have an entry into these different worlds through these initiations which would, could take place within the framework of ordinary schools um, and through acknowledging the tradition, which is in each of these cases a way of life, a whole cultural tradition, not just a piece of book learning or things written on paper, you come into the larger group dynamics, the social psyche, the, the education would be integrated into the larger emotional and intuitive and um, social bonding aspects of, of, of one's life. Um, Anyway, one kind of educational system that has this initiatory quality to some extent is the workshop system, and this is the principal alternative educational system that has developed outside the orthodox one. And it's obviously the best model for actually replacing the present one, a vast extension of the workshop system of education, because workshop-type education involves people interacting as a group, and you, it's impossible to forget the group dynamics. It's not just a teacher in a classroom who are meant to be quiet. Although, in fact, what's going on is group dynamics of often turbulent kind. The workshop makes the group dynamics explicit and is the model of people who actually want to do, want to learn something together, to make some new insight, to make some new step or experience or transition, which, at the end of which, Friday noon, they'll have actually been through a kind of initial group initiatory experience. <coughs> which has involved a group bonding, a new shared way of seeing the world, a new consensus reality emerging, a new insight into self-transformation, etc. Initiatory hopes, anyway. The other thing is that, the other final point is that for the educational system to be transformed, each branch of it, each profession of it that already exists as a kind of guild, like mathematicians have their own kind of guilds and biochemists and you know, these are guilds with their founding fathers, their honored traditions, etc. They're like guilds. Um, each one of them has to, um, from within itself, within the group, 
have a new vision of what it could be, like revisioning psychology, you know, like Hillman's book. There's the revisioning model, revisioning medicine. What would happen if a group of med doctors got together, led in a workshop-type format at somewhere like Esalen, and did things like shamanic chanting in a workshop format, and then also discussed what was their original vision in becoming a doctor? What was the going right back to contact the original inspiration for each of them and then tell it to other people? What was your what did you see medicine could be? What's your experience of it as you've actually come into it? Um, you know, limitations and so on. And what could a new vision of medicine be? A new kind of healing profession. Um, th- this kind of revisioning could occur within each of the. You know, what, what could a real botany be? within the botanical. A real botany would be a science really related to the spirits of the plant world as well uh, with an understanding of their forms, names, colors, embryologies and so on. But essentially knowing in the greatest detail that, and relating to the spirits of the vegetative kingdom. So this would be what the new professions would be like and they'd have to, they could be transformed I think by a whole transformation of consciousness that could come about in a group format within members of the profession, a whole new vision of what it could be. So, in summary, I think that in the, in the New World Order, the educational model would be an education through initiation. The initiations will be things that people on the whole want to do and involve far more than just writing things down, but actually a real mental, physical, and social competence to do whatever it is that, involved, that needs to be done, which is what in, involved in real guild initiations, apprenticeships, and so on. Um, and that the workshop mode is the, probably the best model for what the new educational models w- would be like. Um, and the professional groups that already exist to transform the, these traditions from within, uh, which has to be done to maintain their organic integrity as a profession, I mean, and hence the source of ancient traditions which can actually have a mythic power and therefore help to transform. Um, all this might happen in a new millennium and lead us into a new psychedelic world order. Wow. Um, it's very interesting, I agree. I think you put your finger on it, that this initiatory thing is the continuing thread from the archaic that could lead into the future. Um, and that that means there's reason for hope. Um, the only thing I would really add to that is that uh, when I imagine the uh, educational system of the future, I think that part of our problem and how we reached this historical impasse was through accepting a kind of historical amnesia and that the education of the future should have a tremendous focus on history. The educational system currently in place I take to have as its sort of paradigm uh, the teaching of physics in other words, the conveying of an extremely abstract, mathematically-based description of nature that uh, ushers into high engineering competence. Mm. And I would imagine in an ideal educational menu in the future that perhaps the science of archaeology might replace the science of physics as 
the place where focus was to go. Most people are not aware of the revolution in information recovery ability that has occurred in archaeology in the last even 10 years. So that in a sense, a kind of uh, telescope into the past is being erected by the world archaeological community. And teaching this is a way of re-anchoring ourselves from the post-industrial notion of history as a kind of trendless fluctuation or a class struggle or some of these other very disensouled models of what the human journey through time is. So I think we have fallen into a kind of historical amnesia. This has blunted the acuity of our, his, of our political decision-making and that part of reforming education has to be to teach people that history is a system of interlocking resonances in which they are embedded and they are going to be called upon to make decisions which will affect the state of life on this planet millennia in the future. So without a complete knowledge of history that is seamless from the birth of the universe down to yesterday's headline, uh, we're not in a position to act uh, toward our best interests. And I take education broadly to be the inculcation of attitudes that cause us to act generally in the uh, interest of all. That's about it. I think your other very strong point is the power of the feudal guild model and that you know this is, goes hand in hand with the McLuhanist expectation of what he called an electronic feudalizing of society. That this hierarchy of academic Kant that has been built up is in fact a, a, a sham, a thing of squeaking gears and creaking <laughs> pulleys that is left over from another age. And that uh, we should just understand that education is a kind of value-neutral medium and that whether you uh, learn to the Tao of waste disposal or the Tao of 16th century Spanish literature, you are essentially tilling the same field and that uh, people have lost the sense of the howness of their professionalism and the educational system has been contaminated by concepts of, like of class struggle, mm. class difference, um, this sort of thing. Ralph, what's your take on that? Well, I, I like these visions, revisions, as far as they go. I think the initiation mode is a good one in that it has uh, traditional track record, successful track record. It engages the motivation of children to try to proceed from the green belt to the brown belt and so on. And it also is, as you correctly pointed out, Rupert, it's the system that we have in today's educational factory. So um, I think that this is excellent as far as it goes, and I like the workshop mode, and I think I agree, Terence, it would be valuable to infuse the 
curriculum with new dimensions of history, archaeology, and the revision of the past. And the revision of the past must be re-revised annually. And this mode would make that possible, because I presume in the workshop model you have in mind asking a different plumber every year, asking a different archaeologist. It would not be a professor with tenure. Oh, no, the ones that are main actually professional plumbers that would come in there. Yes. But still, I think that this somehow doesn't go far enough. I feel uneasy in that the, maybe the main problems in the current system haven't really been engaged yet. And the trouble is we don't know exactly what they are. And uh, no, I, I think th this view is kind of focusing on higher education. And maybe that's good because lower education will always be on the way to higher education. And when higher education is transformed, it will somehow change the whole system. Mm. And uh, myself, I took a shortcut in school and left in the ninth grade and never returned. And then I entered early in university, and I'm now starting my 40th year. So I can not really uh, suggest a revision of the elementary school system. Well, the invocation of feminism and feminine values or some kind of way of feminizing the whole system in those early grades... Uh, Yes, That's well, this is the most like important infusing the, the infusing the current system with a new spirit. I think somehow won't do it. And among the rash of books uh, criticizing the higher educational system this year, there's one uh, Page Smith's "The Death of the Spirit," which uh, he's a historian, America's premier historian, and he spent half his book complaining about the current system, and the other half discussing how it got that way and uh, I was pleased to discover that the higher educational system of Europe and America is not getting worse and worse it was always this bad <laughs> we can take fault even if we go to the first one which is when Ptolemy gave this huge endowment to the Alexandrian Museum uh, here we had professors with lifetime tenure and the responsibility was to give one lecture per week or to contribute a poem or amusement for public uh, display. Sounds like a good <laughs> <laughs> So Pate Smith takes issue, first of all, with the tenure system. Now, I like the tenure system. I would be out of my ear years ago if I didn't have this uh, very, very strong job security. But uh, so somehow it's part of the problem, I think. And... Uh, you have to ask, in your vision of the new educational system in the new world order, where the workshops, are, who is organizing this? Where is the Department of Administration, the administration building? Who's deciding which workshops will be offered, which plumber will be, and so on? Will there be um, new emphasis on feminist revision of history? Will there be new results from archaeology or not? Somebody, after all, is de deciding, whether it's the PTA or whatever. How many people are going to school? All, a few, those who wish, uh, rewards will be offered, yes or no. And these things have to do with uh, nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts of, of running a school system. And as the system evolves <coughs> or devolves, would be more honest, since we don't expect it to get better and better in the course of time. Uh, somehow, the, the paths of devolution would, the, the seeds would be contained in this administrative system put in place in the beginning. Who is in charge? Do students participate in decisions and so on? 
then even with the initiation model, I find some anxiety in thinking about this because we have in the current initiation system, there are two different roles in the initiation that in the beginning of your introduction you alluded. One is initiation as with the corpse. The other is valuation, the accreditation, a guarantee to the world that this doctor has reached a certain level of skill and is therefore accredited, authorized to dispense uh, antibiotic medicines by prescription. <laughs> that means that in the initiation there has to be a test. And in the test, usually uh, verbal, uh, as you said, although when I was an engineering student, we had to pass the welding course. The test was given by a tensile test machine. Oh, in the sciences, practical as well, of course. Yes. Mm. So um, I, as a teacher, always hated this uh, testing aspect and claimed other people should do it. I wanted to. I would only. I'm only willing to teach people who want to learn from me. That is my only role. That that I accept. But nevertheless, I must write letters of recommendation. Students who have been friends, who have respected me, who now beg me to assist them by, by writing a letter of recommendation. I must say that this student reached a certain level. I don't even know what level the student reached. And whatever I thought it was, I'm not sure. And even if I was sure, I wouldn't know how to say it in a sentence. I hate this role. And I hate grading tests and trying to figure out where to place the lines between the grades A, B, C, or whatever. So the testing aspect and the initiatory aspect but not, must not necessarily to be combined into a single tool, function, or whatever. No. And so I like the initiation. I don't like the testing. And yet, if you don't have the testing, then the educational system is somehow failing its mission to society in doing one of the things that society asks it to do, which is to produce tradesmen. You see, I don't accept plumbing in the educational curriculum everybody should learn computer programming and other kinds of plumbing of course but uh, I think the heart of the curriculum the school system should somehow transcend the trades and the apprenticeship for a profession and the learning of basic skills walk around jump eat uh, a complete diet and so on where is spiritual value where is moral and ethical value. Where is the fabric of society, as it were? Where is that taught? If not in the school, then embedded in uh, soap operas or, or where. Somehow, the uh, curriculum has to have a spiritual, moral, well, social values, which could fit in the workshop mode, which could be consistent with the initiatory, but have nothing to do with the trade school, and the trade union more there would be some maybe some spiritual elite some professors of moral philosophy we would have Plato and Socrates would be leading a workshop something like that then uh, I could see that it fits in this mode but somehow whoever is arranging the workshop in plumbing and who's arranging the workshop in spiritual value this must be I guess differently qualified people finally I think this um, another thing that has crippled the modern university is the uh, isolation of the specialties and I don't see in this new vision a way of dealing with that. I think that besides the workshop with one leader we must have workshops with trialogue leaders so that the interplay of the different specialties could be given 
do time, in fact, equal time, with specialties. I don't propose, as many people do, to replace courses in specialties completely with interdisciplinary courses. I think it's kind of a partnership, uh, Mother Earth, Father Sky, that there will be specialties and equal time for syncretists to put it together and obtain some meeting, meaning from three or four specialties and to free associate upon all of this relating whatever is the subject matter of a workshop of the entire educational experience to the progress, the future of society and the evolutionary challenges presented to each generation. Well, these are just some other problems I, I think not uh, addressed by your suggestions so far and that somehow these have to be not addressed individually but taken into account somehow in the overall design of the educational system for a new world order. It needs the participation of the community in the selection of the curriculum. It needs a certain rigidity that resists evolution that's too fast. It needs the partnership of the, uh, the special and the general. It needs the relationship to life not only in terms of fixing the faucets but also in making moral decisions in every day about how to relate to altruism uh, and selfishness and uh, synergy. And I have no idea how to, how to do this, how to change the system. I, I just think that what you've suggested is the beginning of an evolutionary track, very similar to the one that we're now on, and in the course of just a few years or generations would, would result in the same mess that we now have. We need a newer new idea. Well, I mean, what's uh, obviously the element lacking from what I talked about and which you draw attention to is largely the kind of spiritual dimension, because I was talking about a reformed secular educational system, taking for granted the fact that the present educational system is secular. Now, if one can think of a, a spiritually based educational system, then it's in a completely different realm of possibilities. The problem, however, is that if it were Christian-based, then all the Jews, Muslims, Hindus, and atheists would object. If it were Jewish, all the rest, you know, and if it were Hindu, then, you know, fundamentalist Christian parents would object. You know, the, 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 what's stymied, one of the, the terrible impasses of the modern educational system is because of secular pluralism, and because this, the role, the instated, the importance secular pluralism has for the modern political ideology, which is this kind of humanist, um, no, capitalist, free market idea. I mean, it's, it's a very important feature. Uh, um, it means that no one spiritual traditional practice can be used in schools. I mean, except in explicitly Roman Catholic schools or Jewish schools mm. or Muslim schools, which is why a lot of people want separate German Catholic, Jewish, Muslim schools, exactly because they do think this is important. But in the secular system, you can't do it. So there's a terrible blockage there. And the only way to overcome this problem would be to have a new official world order which could empower accredit, etc., which is not the secular state, because the secular state by its very nature is, dis, uh, you know, is, is desacralized. It's a humanist concept. Mm -hmm. So the thing is that this revolution would have to go a long way if you want the entire... A long idea. way. We want it to would go require a long way. some kind of new religious yeah. consensus into which people could be initiated. Now, I think that's perhaps hoping for too much. And my more moderate um, suggestion would be, firstly, 
that each initiation has to involve um, a real experience at different levels of reality. So like archaeology, you wouldn't just study in books and see slides and videos of these things. You'd have to go to certain sacred places and maybe spend the night there alone. Um, if it, if it was that kind, or the day there, or whatever, so that you actually came to know the spirits of these places mm -hmm. that you've been talking about, the kinds mm -hmm. of places. You knew it directly from real experience. And you'd also do this kind of thing, if it had this vision quest element, you'd have a group, uh, a group initiation quality to it as well. And the, the sense of initiation into social groups and the honor of groups and so on, which would be a series of self-regulating societies, which would be models. Then, if for the entire society to have a system of uh, regulation, you need to have official state rights, like they do in Japan through the Shinto religion and the emperor, and as we do in Britain through the monarchy, and still acknowledged official state rights, like you know, the royal opening of parliament, praying for the queen, and that kind of thing. Um, but most countries don't have the possibility of transforming that system. In Britain we do, and I think the problem is quite different here in America, because there isn't American politics based on a different model, mm -hmm. a desacralized model. Yes. So the alternative is the American way would be to have a free-for-all, and how it would work is this. Each student at age 17 would be given a book of 55 workshop vouchers, and they'd be told that to become an initiated adult, uh, they would have to take 55 workshops over the next three years, or maybe 40 workshops, or whatever. And there would have to be five in the kind of group dynamics, social myths, history, you know, understanding our society, and the kind of social ethic as well as direct group experience. Some would be in philosophy, others in natural history and knowing about the natural world, etc. So you'd have some stipulation on the minimum number in each. And then there's simply there's a computerized, centralized Esselin, Hollyhock, etc. catalogue, far many more workshop centres would spring up all over, based on modified summer camps, etc. And the inter or, or, chain or modified schools, existing schools. And you'd have uh, local patterns of workshops, and you'd have also ones to which people travel and stay. And this... You mean that the student's credential on finishing uh, the use of the 55 vouchers would be the list of workshops that had been completed to the point of initiation. Then, the, then it would be, the whole process would be started by some initiatory thing into this pathway. Each workshop would itself have an initiatory pattern. And the whole thing would culminate in some final test, which would be the, the borderline from the, the student having passed a certain, a test not only involving intellectual skills, but also skills in groups, also um, some kind of social sense or responsibility as actually done through groups and, and workshop learning making group dynamics conscious and so on but, uh, and so and then there'd be some final test that involved all these and it would be like one of these and it, I think it could probably also involve like the Eleusinian mysteries a psychedelic revelation I think this would be probably the best way to have the graduation thing you'd have to have this psychedelic initiation thing now Maybe mushrooms would be the best thing. Oh, absolutely. The archaic return, the culmination of the educational process in the archaic mystery, which is where it always ended. Well, besides the fact that you um, addressed my complaint about the lack of the 
sacred with actually an interesting covert plan for the introduction of a new world religion through these uh, religious aspect of the initiations and the visits to the sacred sites. There's also the possibility, since there's no school in this plan, there are workshop centers all over the place, um, that ordinary courses of uh, religion, ethics, and so on, according to different traditions, would also be offering uh, workshops and students according to their choice of ancient tradition. That's right, take, yes. Judeo-pagan, Neo-Platonic, and Neo-Pythagorean, Roman Catholic, Methodist, Islamic, Hindu. There'd be workshops in these Tibetan Buddhist, led by by people in those traditions. If you want to know about Judaism, you don't go to a religious education instructor who tells you about it from a book. You go to do a workshop with a rabbi. Yes, and then the relationship between education and the job market would be imagined then through some classified ads as a person wanted must have three W courses, two E courses and one S or something mm. like that. Right. And then as these requirements of different industries became known, people seeking a certain profession would see to it that they learned how to read, for example, or how yes. to run a computer. Well that would be that would be one way it would work, yes. And I think that this educational system probably would fulfill the needs of industry that I hadn't thought of that way better than the present one because it would actually give a much better sense of the industry. They're not interested in yeah. taking graduates who just think from books. They, they complain all the time in Britain about how they don't want university graduates in a lot of British industries. Yeah. Their heads are too big and they're too big for their boots and they don't respect practical experience. So they'd rather take people straight from school. Common pattern. Well, English universities were started by the church, but American universities, as Paige Smith points out in his book, were started by tycoons of business, and uh, each successful tycoon had to have among his credentials a university he'd started with an endowment. <laughs> so, uh, besides, uh, I think the, the vision, or th this is a good one, is becoming for me personally more and more satisfactory and also plausible. Uh, I think that some people have suggested actually that the public school system be, be replaced with a voucher system. That's oh, this is an active uh, proposal at the moment. This is California. a Thatcherite idea too. The mm -hmm. point is this voucher system is part of the current political orthodoxy, so it's very easy to see mm -hmm. how it might be realized mm -hmm. in a new form. Yeah, well, that's I think some a question we have to face is the. Uh, Besides the envision of the final product, also some idea as to the path that goes from here, point A, to there, point B. And uh, it's hard to see how to get rid of this entrenched public school system. It would have to be, since we're talking about politics here, there would have to be the plebiscite, you know, where the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the voters uh, insist on the opportunity to uh, control the school system and that they want a voucher mm. system. You simply privatize it and you privatize the education, you have a voucher system valid at any school, a well-known approved list which is constituted by a new kind of educational board, not the old one. And the approved list includes Waldorf schools, you know, Montessori schools, um, it would include Catholic schools, Islamic schools, I and mean, there would be a whole range of accredited schools including former public schools, which would now become sort of in autonomous town schools or something, they'd compete in the open market. Um, and this system would be extremely, it would be pluralistic, it would be extremely responsive to um, 
what people actually want and what parents and students are really interested in. And it would have the advantage of being very decentralized and self-regulating. School is a business. Yes. That you're proposing. Well, right now, school is a business. It's a professional career. The only thing is that it's administered by money taken from us through taxes and administered through a centralized bureaucracy for a bureaucratic organization. Now, school is a business. Both ways, we're paying for it. I mean, it's not coming free either way. Right. But the, the way that you can deal with this is the voucher system are issued by the government to each student by the Ministry of Education. When you're 18, you get a book of vouchers. Probably medical schools and attorneys and so on would continue more or less as at present. And they would have entrance requirements that so many B courses for biology or S courses mm. for science or something like that. Mm. But I think that the, you see, the voucher system, the workshop mode, like, the, 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 you see, the other side of this is the reform of the existing professions. Because if you have a group of astronomers, for example, revisioning astronomy, you know, a workshop weekend led by some astronomer plus maybe Terence or you or somebody or me, or, you know, an outside person also to be part of the workshop, maybe John to lead in some chanting. And then you go into what's their original vision in astronomy? What is it that's interesting most? What could astronomy be again today? Well, one thing it could be is we can helping to reconnect people to heaven, designing these hinges that we were talking yeah. about, setting these things where you know where Jupiter and things are, <laughs> so that this goes into every school, and so that children actually learn about the heavens. This would be, you know, then there'd be things where people who are learning astronomy go out at night, have class at night under the stars and learn the constellations and have tests and how well they know them. So astronomy related once more to the actual heavens. Mm -hmm. That would be the new vision in astronomy, which would the direct experience, including maybe communicating with stars and start the subject of star spirit, together with all the stuff on radio passing nebulae and, and, and quasars and stuff. Yes. So, and in each science, Gaia, geology, the new geology, would not only involve studying rocks and knowing about them, but studying them in the context of the sense of the life of Gaia, a Gaian geology that would you know, be in a Gaian perspective, and which would begin and end with right rituals that connect the geological profession to its patroness, Mother Earth. Well, as the, the bond issue and the plebiscite are put on the ballot and, and passed, and the students are issued their booklets of 55 vouchers and the new uh, structure is put in place and simply begins, there still may remain a terrific lack of teachers who would wish to or be able to offer such courses. That the uh, ignorance of the meaning of the ancient sites and the significance of the stars and so on can't be overcome in a day. So chances are in the new forum people would continue teaching exactly what they teach today and that the the workshop of astronomers to revision astronomy and so on would not have a, a very quick feedback or maybe any feedback into the curriculum or the actual conduct of the school so that while they envisioned a new astronomical profession that the workshops at all the workshop centers kept on teaching the old one. Some, somehow there would have to be a miracle to get the whole system onto a new track. 
And this wouldn't happen overnight. The resacralization aspect mm. that we are mostly longing for could never happen. Might never happen. Mm. Well, I think we need to would. trigger it. Well, I think that it would have to happen in this new model. You wouldn't just get a booklet of vouchers through the post. You'd go you'd, you'd, to start your path. You'd now be entering the stage of a kind of apprenticeship or learning. There'd be an initiation ceremony, and you could be initiated in any one of a number of ways, through a Christian, Jewish, Muslim, each religion could run, or if you didn't want to have any of the ones offered by the various religions. The new world religion would always be a possibility. There'd be a new world, there'd be a chance for free enterprise in this area, sort of new age initiation, with vague stuff about crystals. and green, yeah. green feminists. Yes, that kind of thing. There'd be all sorts of... But you'd have to go through one of these initiations, which would be based on initiating you on the path you're going on, and calling in blessings on your journey and that kind of thing. Then you get your book of vouchers as part of the ceremony. And this happens at one of at your sacred place of your choice. I mean, you're not forced to go through any one tradition. So setting up that particular system of initiation <coughs> rites mm. would be uh, the key step for switching the whole system onto a new path. Yes. You'd have to sort of engineer that. That would be fairly easy, though, because you'd say, um, um, we the importance of initiation for the psychology of children is of vast importance is now universally recognized. And you can make a strong case that, that therefore our educational system needs to have a more initiatory quality. We are well, a we're talking state. about the 27 million young Americans who are of the age for this first initiation this coming fall. And how exactly are we going to accommodate this number of people in a new system? With uh, the production of three to five thousand new teachers. Well, I'm not thinking. You're thinking about a model of overnight change of the entire American system. I'm thinking of a pioneering experiment in a limited area. Uh, the slowly grows if it deserves to. The, the thing is, the way that things happen organically in society, you never convert a system without some prior model of it working. And mm -hmm. whenever you try and get any money, any persuade anyone, you, if you can say, look, this is I've got it going. Here it is. You can come and see it. You know, it's vastly more space and short term it's a lot better kind of and say, look, here are the plants, this is the botanic garden, that's okay. it. Yeah. Rather than with a bit of paper saying there's yeah. this project and you know, I yes. think we'll something to concrete. Yes. And so if the, the workshop system is already up and running as a concrete alternative to yes. the present entry, that's its great advantage. It exists. Yes. It exists in a pluralistic free market form which is self-sustaining, so far without state subsidy, yes. that people do because they want to do them. And they want to do them because they know that in the workshop they'll, on balance, come out feeling better than when yes. they went in. So it's not and much growing now, but perhaps if people did have vouchers, then uh, it would suddenly start a rapid I think it would be. The, I think it would be a completely new format, because at present no one aged 18 gets a workshop. It's a, a, a system of education entirely for the middle-aged. It's What's made the oversight? Yes, no, he's on to something. It's made no contact. How, how could we possibly about attract that? an 18-year-old to a workshop? What would be necessary? Just to talk about psychedelic drugs. I get them. Not you quite 18, yeah. but 20. Oh, I think, if, 20 I, think if, I think if we did dialogues on morphic resonance and chaos and, and psychedelics, a trial I think there are a lot of um, uh, 
younger crowd. Yes, if if right now they have to pay three hundred and eighty-five dollars. They don't have the money. They don't have the money. They don't have the vouchers. The problem with the workshop system is because it's self-financing. It's expensive to do. What about Esalen giving what do you call them scholarships for young people? Well, that would be that would be yes. Well, that would be all right. But I think it would be a kind of token, a token thing at Esalen. I think the they maybe have to have some young people's workshops here. That would be it, two or three a year, where they're offered at a much reduced price. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that the people who come on them have to be recommended by somebody who's been to Esalen, something like that. So it would create the sense of the Esalen community. Oh, we have, have to recommend this to Steve, because we're really lacking that generation now. It's mm -hmm. a serious problem. You know, the, um, the Lindisfarne Fellowship, which is just one of these many invisible colleges existing around the globe that I think they're valuable. It's now proposing to dissolve itself on its 20th birthday because there is no coming generation. People are dying of old age and nobody knows a young person to introduce into the circle. So this is a tremendous hole in our bucket. Exactly. Well, this is exactly where there's, there's a, a tremendous scope for the initiatory model. They, you see, the Esalen, coming to Esalen is a kind of initiation. Yes, people. Mm -hmm. Whenever you come here for the first time, it has an initiatory quality. And most people are the initiates who have an easy familiarity with things like hot tubs and getting wet towels. Large, and <laughs> yes, and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So, if you create, there's one group of initiates. The, initi the, the teenage workshops, the 18 to 20 year old workshops that happen at Esalen, which are initiations into kind of gestalt and the kind of things that happen here, and you talking about you know, and so on. Which um, to get there, you have to be recommended by someone who's been here, and therefore there's a much greater sense of initiation into this world. The fact is, a lot of teen teenagers may not know that this world exists, or if they do have a totally distorted view, but it is an independent, autonomous, adult world. And that's exactly what people want to be initiated into. So the sense of a kind of somewhat more mysterious realm of possibility they didn't know about. And this is a real thing. There is a whole world that most people don't know about. That's a great idea. We should end this trialogue and run out immediately and grab Steve and then tell them on the Esalen Youth Program. But you see, things like in schools, like the initiatory things you could do here, like I did on my Rebirth of Nature weekend, one of the things uh, everyone did was the tree ceremony, you know, where you go out to the tree and you ask a tree four questions on the north, south, east, west side, the tree oracle. Yeah. Well, Jill does this in her workshops, and I found that within three hours of talking about, in this kind of context, you know, the reasons for thinking the old worldview is inadequate, the problems of the mechanistic worldview, its temporary nature in relation to resurgent animism, the rising tide of new attitudes, etc., the temporary nature of the mechanistic predominance, and so on. Then, you know, people, everybody is happy to go and hold a tree and ask it questions and sit down by it. This tree oracle is very effective, it really works. Now that can be done and is being done with kids because the Ohio Foundation has now started workshops for school teachers to teach them about the kinds of things you can do, you know, chants, fire circles, you know, vision quests, tree ceremonies. And they're now, they're, now, they're now doing this with various schools and including bringing them onto the land and doing ceremonies with them there. From whole, this is 15 schools now. So they've actually already got something going along these lines. And so you see this initiatory quality, so that if you're doing botany, then you learn to about tree oracles. 
part of it. You know, you have at the beginning of your course a, a tree oracle quest at the beginning of each term. And you have vision quests of various kinds built through the system. So I think that the Esalen and places which could be centers for these quests, these initiatory journeys, uh, could fulfill an immediately. And I think the age range they should do during the initiation is not the key one from 12 to 13. I think that's best done through modified summer camps, specially designed. But, but this could be the initiation into that art at 18 or 21. So these uh, 55 workshops, they would begin at, with adulthood. Is that your idea? Okay. That the entire elementary and junior and what we call high school, that all that would remain, remain as it is? Well, I think that the model, the model of having trying it out with the initiation at 18 into adulthood, all applicants must be 18 or over. Um, you know, this... this um, uh, this would have uh, be a pioneering thing that we could talk to Steve about. It could happen in six months' time right here. Yeah. Now, the other thing that we're talking about is to change the initiation through summer camps, since none of us are in elementary or primary or middle school education. No, but if you are in that, it's quite easy to do. The, the people who we were staying yeah. Master Andreas, their son's at a very open school. And I said, you know, why not get... He, he did the tree ceremony here. He really liked it. No, why not? She used to teach that. Why not do it at their own school? They do a vision quest of these trees only. It can, it, they'll do it. So um, the 55 vouchers and the workshops, how long are they? Are these weekend workshops, week-long workshop, or well, week-long mini-courses? Well, I mean, this, this, these are all details that one would work out. But obviously there'd need to be a whole new breed of workshop type leaders. So yeah. another thing is that Esalen, Hollyhock, Omega and so on take on a new role. You'd have workshops for workshop leaders where you'd actually train people how to do workshops. You'd initiate them yeah. into being workshop mm -hmm. leaders and where better to initiate them in, than in a workshop here. Um, so you'd have these, and then instead of these so many thousand people come to Esalen, if a few hundred of those that came to Esalen every year were initiated as being workshop leaders, and they were each doing workshops, this system could very rapidly uh, propagate. Yeah, very rapidly. In a self-initiating, self-propagating mode. And it would, there'd have to be some attention given to the initiatory structure of each type of workshop. To start with a dedication or an acknowledgement of the spirit of the place and the powers that under, under, in the light of which the workshop is being done, if it's being done in the light of the spirit or of reason or of emotion or of holism or integration or whatever, I mean, whatever, what's the guiding principle? An initial ceremony and a closing ceremony and some kind of uh, opening dedication or chant or, I mean, this is a pattern of most workshops anyway. And so, initiating people into workshop reading would very easily, very naturally, be modified, I think. And I don't think even one would have to write the program for it. I think that people would work it out themselves in the workshop corner. Somehow standards would be maintained for workshops, at least at the most famous workshop centers. Uh, yes, and then the monitoring. It wouldn't be only the popularity of a certain workshop which guaranteed its continued existence. It would have to, for example, we, we wouldn't want to continue some workshop that only taught that the body is the body. Well, uh, presumably the feedback, the automatic free market feedback mechanisms would regulate this because if somebody... No, because corruption is a known mechanism for the downward spiral of society. 
and that <laughs> worse and worse workshops become more and more popular because they give the valuation, the value, the accreditation to keep on the initiation without your actually doing anything other than sitting in the hot bath and repeating three times the event is the event of the body is the body. Well, what you're implying is what you sought to avoid, which is that there has to be a yeah. second entity which tests the workshop graduate to see what I want to avoid that. Well, it could be intrinsic in that industries would not employ somebody just from having graduated, that is to say, spent 55 vouchers. They would insist on the courses from some of their favorite teachers or institutions as obviously a bachelor's degree from Stanford is worth more than a bachelor's degree from Great Western. Well, a corporation could post a list of courses that would enhance your likelihood of being hired by them. And then you could choose for yourself whether or not to include those in your, uh, as you formed your curriculum. So this is the self-organizational model. Yes. self-organizational. I think it's quite good. I think it sounds doable also. very fairy quality of most of these schemes. Well, we'd have to persuade, I mean, industries would have to suddenly start opening their doors to graduates of the new system. And this, of course, was a great inhibition for students choosing UC Santa Cruz, uh, although they did, um, because it was considered a great experiment in its early days, 20 years ago. Well, you would have to go to people like Lawrence Rockefeller and Andrew Mellon and people like that to get a group of corporations yeah. to commit to uh, accepting and hiring on the alternative. Yes, who are the great railroad magnates of today who have not yet endowed a university? Well, you could go to Apple Computer and go to them, or you you know, some of these hip haberdashers, esprit, and so forth. So listen, these are big corporations. Yeah. Well, you could start it actually with just a, a system, a voluntary system right now. You could offer these scholarships where you have to be recommended by an alumnus of one of the existing, you know, Omega Essendon or something. Um, and you get these scholarships for, say, five workshop vouchers, down a day for a six-month period or something. And with an a beginning ceremony and an ending ceremony for the whole thing, there's this kind of initiation into adult. This could be started right away. And, you know, they could do them in their vacations or in their summer vacation. You know, it, it could fit in even with a standard student life pattern. Um, but there'd be then this category of people who had a different kind of initiation, and each of them, when they went back to their college or university, people would be curious about what they'd done, and whatever it is they'd done, whatever they said they did, would be quite intriguing to a lot of people. So the New World System would actually begin with its educational program, and the New World System educational program would have to have a pilot project, which I guess would be the New Village, the New Village Schools. <laughs> the Hawaiian Islands. And then, we, so we would have to seek a way to actually begin this pilot project with, I guess it would take one leader, one workshop leader, one a ritualist who would make the arrangements for this first initiation, the class of 92, mm. I guess. And then there would be a few people coming of age, maybe children of people we know or something, who uh, would enthusiastically volunteer to be the first, you know, entrance of the class of 92. Mm. 
and uh, and then if successful <laughs> in design, this attractor would then grow where we have to begin. Probably it would be here at Esalen, because we're here hmm. dreaming this up for some reason. Yes, I think it would be called the, the, the what would it be called, the personal, the, the growth, no, no, something like, um, there'd have to be some the, kind of certificate you get from this, this five workshop course and beginning and end thing through places like Aspen. Um Initiative education. Initiative education or um, initiative educational initiative initiate. <laughs> initiate. <laughs> You've been initiative initiate and um, an I.I. for short. And um, this when you're applying for a job with the New York Times or with you know, bank or something like that. You'd have your uh, degrees, and you'd say, "I'm also initiative initiate," and and they'd get to know that people had done this kind of thing. If indeed it did do them any good, were much cooler, much better, much more together, uh, much more aware of group dynamics. You know, it's like more Kelly girls. And so this would then become something that would be highly attractive to a lot of employers. It would be detractive to others of the more conventional kind, but the kind of people who've been through this course wouldn't want those jobs anyway. Would yes, be possible. All the corporate people who pass through places like Esalen would feel a subtle pressure to uh, convert their hiring practices to recognize and to send their children and to send their, their children, children to, to hire these kinds yes. of people yes. into their organization. And there would be the feeling of a kind of a real kind of group group, or because there is this initiatory quality, a feeling far actually more effective than the usual bonds from. Com uh, college uh, uh, alumnus uh, graduation yes. festivals. I mean, it, it's much more true. Some colleges could be persuaded to offer uh, transfer credit for a set of five workshops in this program. Yes. So they would, five workshops would count as one course. It adds up about right. And uh, it'd be like an extension course or transfer of credit from a course taken in another university. That's right, and that would and mean the students from the more attractive, from the more liberal-minded, experimental, liberal arts colleges, yes. that kind of thing, could give students these vouchers. Yes, they, they could have the freedom of the course of five weeks of the summer. Yes, they could take workshops in five different uh, workshop centers or just Hollyhock, one, Hock, Esalen, and get a college credit for it. Yes. I think you should be made Minister of Education. <laughs> <laughs> Of the New World Order. The New World <laughs> The NWO. <laughs> yes, well, it's a devious way of achieving the recyclization of the world. Assuming always, of course, that corruption doesn't somehow annihilate the system as soon as it started. Uh, but I think centering it in a, a place like this, which has inertia, a track record, a good habit, as it were, would uh, give a good chance for success. I think so. I think a lot of... I mean, if I had the chance of spending a weekend hanging around with my pimply teenage friends at home, or coming to Esalen and doing something that was a threshold of an entirely yes. new... Well, Meeting some pimply teenagers from far away. Right. <laughs> 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 well, I went to a summer camp when I was... Uh, of both sexes. Yeah, from age uh, 9 to 13 or something, I went to a summer camp for musical prodigies and that no one went there unless they were interested in music and anybody who was really interested in music went to this particular camp it was a great escape from a small town in Vermont because I went there there were a lot of kids from Philadelphia and New York and Miami and so on and they were very exciting and mostly we played music together 
but um, such things, specialized camps to learn ballet, you know, sports and so on, they exist and some of them have track record. They have terrific reputation compared to other ones for the quality of the faculty, also the quality of the students. And uh, such a summer, particularly the summer youth program at Aslan would give it a huge additional scope and training workshop leaders would give them a bigger choice of workshop leaders in the future, so then they would be creating expansion of their own system, as they don't do now. They have to depend mm. on serendipity on new workshop leaders. And as the popularity of workshop-type education grew in schools, as people in 16, 17, 18 got into an age group where some of their friends had been on workshops and had come back, obviously changed in some way, and talking about this thing, a kind of secret to which they were not yet privy, the only way they could have this experience of scale movie quite chance and be part of the fashion mm-hmm. group, they'd really want to do it, and a huge new market would open up uh, in, in the sort of high school age. Yes, we have to get this tape to steal the media <laughs> with our bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, they may not want to. Um, expand Essendon, but if Essendon wanted to expand as a business and, and take on a whole well, they're national dimension. in all these strategies, and because it's a revolutionary educational concept, it's not simply a strategy for expanding revenue, mm. it's actually a seminal kind of thing. It took hold and it seems very sound uh, because the old method is breaking down. I mean, there is either some substitute off in the future, or we're just looking at a generation in anarchy, mm. largely, in American education. Well, this does seem immediately feasible. This really could swing into action next year, next mm-hmm. summer. And it could attract capital, you know, endowments from people who, uh, who, who see the value of extending uh, our successful adult educational system downward. But nobody seems to have thought of this. Uh, there aren't any summer camps along these lines. There are traditional summer camps which are excellent for, for everything, for tennis, mm. for organists, and so on, but not for the new world order. But that most of what goes on here could be extended down. I mean, shamanic rattling, chants before sessions mm-hmm. and groups, uh, vision quest, shamanic yeah, type, all this stuff yeah. is instantly adaptable. Mm-hmm. In fact, probably appears. Chanting, yeah. chill so the Ojai Foundation has apparently had a similar fantasy as they declared two or three years ago that they were going into general education. I think that this is something that they're doing, and I heard about this um, when we were at Hollyhock, but I didn't. I've never seen it in action. Somebody talked about mm-hmm. John Bloomkill talked about it. About a voucher system? No, no about Ohio training, training school teachers. teachers. Oh. Who then, and then the teachers can yeah. bring some of the groups to the land, and they do vision quests, they do tree ceremonies, yeah. they do medicine wheel circles, sweat lodges, all this kind of thing. And um, I suppose there are private schools that are participating, but yeah. the kids love it. It's mm-hmm. an incredibly yeah. successful program. Formerly, they had to go to Berlin to be able to do this. <laughs> But now, they can do this right here in the Native American heartland. So I think that there's uh, plenty of scope for starting straight away. And yes, and for competing in uh, systems and different versions, varieties, different flavors of the idea could be instituted in different locations. Because yes. there's an infinite market, essentially. As soon as, it, as, soon as it... As soon as... Uh, and right now, people under 25 are totally insulated from the 
when I give talks in, in Germany, in England, here in America, in the kinds of places I'm usually invited to give them or conferences, the age range is from 35 to 50. Exactly. When I'm invited to give talks in universities, which in many ways I prefer, not because I like the structure, you know, there's the kind of hierarchical structure of the professor, the lecture theatre, and all that kind of thing. But the face is full of bright, eager eyes, yes. 18, 17, 19, right, no, 20. It's, nice. it's a totally different experience. And when I gave my lecture at the University of Bern, on my German Swiss tour, the only university one I did on, on the trip, it was much the best. It was There were 250 people in the Botany Institute. I was introduced by the men who invited me. He was a visionary, holistic botanist who really likes the idea of morphic resonance in understanding the evolution of plant form. Uh, are quite quite enthusiastic, quite enthusiastic. But all the professors from different faculties, students, and so on—the whole thing in English, no translation. Mm. Um, and the atmosphere was absolutely electric. I mean, these kids had never heard these guys, this yeah. kind of view. I mean, they, it was totally new. They're normally insulated completely mm-hmm. from ideas we take for granted. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were extremely interested, very excited. Mm. Everyone was excited, positive, enthusiastic. It was a, a really wonderful event. Well, my courses in history of mathematics in Santa Cruz have a, a very enthusiastic audience. And, uh, you know, my feeling is that this is sort of the radical fringe of mm. the student population in Santa Cruz. So there's 10,000 students. I get 50, 60, or 70 of them once a year. But uh, these people are very responsive, and they love the hermetic arts, magic, astrology, alchemy, and so on. They're seriously excited. They're really turned on. It and they do great uh, research and study, mm. and they they know a lot of it already because they've been studying in the closet. And this is their first opportunity to come out and see that other people are also interested in this and connect up and mm. have fun and be able to to do it together. So what we do is introduce this parallel system which operates yeah. alongside the existing system, but it becomes so powerful an attractor as it impacts on schools as six, seventeen, eighteen yeah. year olds go to the Esalen and other summer programs. And they go back and tell their friends, yeah. you know, school is nothing like this. You know, and it's really fun. Well, I think this is our, really our best and most revolutionary Everyone really wants idea. to do it. I think it's a good yeah. idea. And it's it'll spread enormously fast, I think, if it becomes something that slightly older people do. That see, the possibility of the CIA instituting some um, negative publicity action on us, such as... Uh, older teacher, younger student taking drugs, um, commuting with tree or some, some kind of thing, such as they, they're very paranoid about this kind of negative publicity here ruining and then for this reason they may not want uh, anybody age 16 or less hanging around because of the danger of scandal. Make it 18 to 23. For a start. I think make it 18 to 23 for a start and then the, the, the parallel for the sort of 11 to 13, this kind of puberty initiation, the parallel, which is often associated with transferring to a different grade of school, yeah. or being in a middle school or whatever, yeah. that, that that whole thing is ceremonialized, in, or at least puberty rights through vision camps. But the people who best handle that are the people who run kids' summer camps, with yes. many of which do have a, another dimension and get back to nature, that kind yes. of thing. Yes, and they have their watchdog mechanisms in place. And they have campfires and so on. I mean, Better to this people from that world come to a workshop at Esalen where there's an exploration of new revisioning education, yeah. and the two are discussed together, and they go back and work out models that work there. Meanwhile, this new one works out here. We can, I mean, we can handle the, the people at Esalen can handle in general this age group. 
think. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 18. Yeah, I think. Yes. Yeah. We'll start by the revision of higher education, as they call it, 18 to 23. That's the university age mm. bracket. And this would complete, create such a powerful competing attractor, because the more people yes. know that it's more fun than that system, and the, and the more system the possibility of doing it through or within the traditional system by vouchers or going out and getting credits, the more and more people will want to do it. Yes. And I think that it would then, the traditional system's faults have become more and more apparent, because more and more people within it would have seen, had another take on what education could be like. Yeah. And I think that morale would rapidly crumble and be faced with it, since they'd already got it, by reform they could introduce more of yes. these kinds of things. Teachers would be rushing to take courses in the new yes, methods. Yes, the, the new methods. So that they could compete successfully with their neighboring teachers for students. Who wants to have an empty home room? <laughs> That's right. No, this is free market economics working in yet another area. Yes. Because right now, education is one of the areas that's been insulated from free market economics by being a state monopoly run by a bureaucratic institution and operated by an old-style hierarchical priesthood yeah. with higher universities at the top and higher degrees and at the top and all teachers and regular schools in awe of all these people with higher degrees. They're lower officially, you know, they're like deacons. You know, and there are bishops out there, archbishops and cardinals and so on. So it would dismantle, uh, or it's one of the last bastions of the old hierarchical order.